Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome to the show. I'm Monique. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you for tuning into the previous live episodes as well as the podcasts. I've been getting some really amazing feedback about my guests and the content. So that tells me that I'm on the right track to providing you with what you need to lead better in the workplace. Today's topic is a bit of a sensitive one. We're going to be talking about mental health, trauma, addictions, and OCD, and how those things impact leadership. If you know me, you know that I have complex PTSD from repeated childhood trauma. I then went into the corporate world at age 22, where I was re-traumatized by being exposed to the toxic corporate culture and leaders who hadn't yet dealt with their own mental health or trauma issues. So today we'll be talking about how a leader's unresolved trauma can impact their ability to lead. And throughout the program, I will be giving out a website to a global mental health directory. Many of my clients, as well as the listeners here, are not all based in the U.S. So I want to provide you with a resource that you can access no matter where you're at. This resource is checkpointorg.com. You can click on the directory and then click on your country and find the mental health resources that you need. So I will be sharing that throughout the broadcast and also on social media after the show. So if you haven't yet connected with me, please do so. Here today to help us unpack all of this is Heather Ann Ferry. Heather Ann is an author, a speaker, and a health coach. She went from having an abusive childhood to being a world record holder to being a Broadway performer. She bridges Eastern sciences with spirituality to help leaders heal. Welcome, Heather Ann. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I am really honored to have you here, especially given the nature of this topic. You have such a diverse background. (laughs) How did you get into this work? Okay, well, I'm going to take a deep (laughs) breath here. I think it's important for people who are listening to this call for me to go back to my childhood because there were two significant moments that shaped every decision I made in my life and um, has led me to being a health coach, a trauma expert. And that's when I was seven years old, my father came home Christmas Eve and he was fired from his job, from his family business. He was fired from his father and siblings. And there that evening was a lot of fighting between my mom and my dad. And you can imagine that Christmas day wasn't quite the same. But what I would like to say is I wasn't the same. And that moment shaped my complex PTSD. That moment shaped my health issues. 
that I suffered with in my 20s and my 30s and early 40s. But then there was a second moment. It was around eight years old. There was still a lot of tension between my parents. They were high school sweethearts. They had a lot of childhood trauma, both sides of the family. This was, you know, back when we didn't hear those words hardly at all. You know, they were a mystery and they were doing the best they can with no toolkit. Um, but the stress levels were high um, among family fighting and money and business. The businesses that my family, my father's family owned were like restaurants, um, grocery stores, construction businesses. And um, so roughly eight years old, uh, there was about 20 minutes in the morning that I was home before by myself with my mom before I went to school. And she would come into my room as I'm sitting at the vanity, getting ready like any little girl would. And she would attack me. And she would say awful things to me, choking me almost to death. And so that really began uh, a place where I lost my authentic self. And I turned into what we call the hidden persona, the masks. And I had to survive a woman that was unstable. And um, anybody can go into their theories of that. There are tons of theories of that. But those two moments really shaped me. So I jump into I, the one thing that kept my parents together was they loved to dance. And so I trained as a professional dancer. Now, this was wonderful because I was given really incredible teachers. I learned discipline and structure. I learned what it takes to actually be a professional dancer. But I also missed out on childhood. I missed out on being having fun and I missed out on it's okay to be imperfect and I missed out on you know I can have a voice my feelings matter. So all those qualities came into this stressful household. I went into show business in New York City and yes I was successful on paper but I wasn't successful in my heart and in my soul because I was so sick. And all those sicknesses, we can label them cancer. I have a genetic red blood cell disorder, chronic fatigue. At the end of the day of 25 years of taking the road less traveled, which is in my book, I, um, they're all related to childhood trauma that I had to heal with, with trauma toolkits that really I bring to the table that are very unique. And I believe that God led me onto this path. And I believe God led us here today, that there's a purpose of why my mom and dad, those moments happened and why I'm sitting here today with you to help leaders, because whether you can relate to that story, there's something inside of us that I, I think sometimes that we, we, we don't address or we don't realize is connected to childhood trauma. So those are kind of like the overall of how I was led because I never planned on being in this field, um, but I had to literally heal myself. And I always say that I'm the guide and my clients are the heroes. I'll give you the toolkit, but you've got to feel the pain. That's such a powerful story. Did the dancing help you escape in some ways or was it therapeutic because it's body movement and a lot of times trauma part of a, the healing can be through body movement it's a great question i thought at the time it was helping me and i think it did because it allowed me to survive right it was a survival tool 
But knowing trauma and how it's stored in the connective tissues and bones, it actually made the trauma in my body deeper and more chronic, which I know is a strange idea. Trauma release body work. I actually started filming um, one particular client in the last year to make a documentary to show the public what that actually looks like. When you're releasing trauma in the body, it's involuntary. So think about this. I'm a professional dancer. I, uh, I, I, I have incredible technique. I can control everything. Now we go into OCD. I can control everything. I can control every angle. Everything is perfect. Um, when you're releasing trauma, you can't control the involuntary shaking. So there's specific techniques, brain work that I have to do to allow the client to surrender and be vulnerable and to allow the body to release what it needs to release. And when that involuntary shaking happens, neurons in the brain open up. And so we now expand the brain. Now, you know, because before I had a learning disability, now I can read a book a day. You know, we can make the brain smarter. We can break the, make the brain more intuitive, more telepathic. And so I really kind of come at it as a brain health point of view. So it's not so scary for people. And when people do their first um, session with me, I do a four-step physical exercise that tests the neurons in the brain. And really no one can pass it, which means that we have issues on brain health in general, I think as a society. Like, think about this. You get hit a few times as a child. Just to say, and that's a big deal, but let's say, and then you're in football and you get hit in the head playing the sport. And then you're in a car accident and your head gets hit. It seems that the chronic buildup of um, brain health, brain um, trauma is not being addressed from the root. And so it's building chronically and chronically and chronically till people are losing it. And that's where the, the addiction of drugs come in. Um, and it's really hard. It takes... It takes time. And I think through making a lot of mistakes, I think God led me to make a lot of mistakes to, to learn faster formulas. You know, we're always learning, even as professional data, you want to learn the person that has the techniques the fastest the way, you know what I mean? Like to get to the end result, you know, I mean, we're all wired that way. Um, I'm not going to say it's a quick fix to heal stuff, but I'm going to say there's a lot of beautiful sciences like acupuncture and reiki that i love but they're not going to they're going to be band-aids for healing root trauma especially physical or sexual your health issues started to manifest as you got older tell us a little bit about that and what did that have to do with the trauma and how did you deal with those health issues well I got really sick around 24 years old, um, right after a big, a, a big show in New York City. And I actually, they couldn't figure anything out. So that's the first thing that my clients sometimes say they have a health issue and nobody knows what, what the root cause of that health issue is. So they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but my throat was swollen like mumps and I could barely swallow. And, um, I had some near-death experiences and I think I knew around 24, like that moment, I knew that it had related, like you forget about your childhood trauma. So memory, memory loss is a big issue with the brain work I do and brain, brain health work I do. Cause if you can't remember situations, you can't rewire them. 
if you can't remember situations, you can't reevaluate the psychology you were around and that maybe you inherited and you don't even know it. So, so that's where it started. So it was really that near death experience that kind of opened the door to like something happened in childhood. Cause I had forgotten about it probably from the moment it happened. Like it happened a lot, eight, nine till that moment when I was really sick at 24. So that was the first moment, all the health issues, probably in my late twenties. Cause I had, I was always sick. <laughs> I was just always sick. Um, I just found, you know, for me personally, when I went to the doctors and I've worked with many doctors, I've had many doctors as clients, so I, I love them, but I found the system to be very negative and I found the system to want to over-medicate me and label me. And there came a point inside, there was something inside me that's like, no, this isn't it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, chronic fatigued. I'm not, I don't have MS. You know, I don't have these things. And that's what started me on my journey. But when I started doing private coaching, I didn't necessarily plan. I planned on using, you know, the Pilates, the yoga, the meditation, the water, the superfood education. I didn't plan on using this, these trauma toolkits. But every client that came with a health issue, after I started sharing a little bit of my story, it kind of opened a door. And they started to think, well, is this connected to health, lifestyle? I mean, part of our lifestyle, like I was a sugar addict, but I was eating sugar because my mom was eating sugar because she was in pain. And that's how she band-aided the pain. That's how sugar is a, is a numbing of the memory. You know, the affects the frontal cortex of the brain. So what better way to forget everything than to just sit and eat sugar. <laughs> it's like, so these things correlate with how we start to connect the dots between childhood trauma, lifestyle, habits, and health. I can really relate to you saying that these health issues manifested. And I also, mine manifested in my 20s. I had very few memories of my childhood or of my trauma. And I was having panic attacks. I was having insomnia. I had TMJ disorder. Mm -hmm. I was irritable. And I was in the workplace with that kind of behavior. And my peers and my manager and other leaders also had behavior like that because they were having trauma or unresolved trauma. So it created this perpetual cycle of toxic behavior in the workplace. And it really took me a long time because I started to have the health problems treated, but that wasn't treating the underlying causes of what was actually happening and the, the root cause of everything. So how did you start working with leaders throughout all of this? That was God-led. So it wasn't like I put an ad. I didn't advertise for it. Um, I was doing retreats. I was being hired to do brain protocols at different health retreats, vegan retreats, wellness retreats. And a lot of those people there were practitioners. They were couple coaches. And they all, like you said to me when you read my, my bio and stuff, they all said, we have so many clients with childhood trauma and 
it just, we don't, they don't seem to be getting the tools they need. And they started to refer me. Well, a lot of those clients ended up being different CEOs and leaders. And to be honest with you, at first I thought, can I work with this population? Do I have something to offer? You know, but as soon as I stepped in the room with one of them, it was like, oh no, I, I do have a lot to offer. I can relate. So that's how it started. We have been talking with Heather Ann Ferry. We've been hearing her story that she's sharing about her background and her past and how she got into working with leaders who have trauma. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear more about how specifically trauma impacts leaders and how it impacts behavior in the workplace and some things that leaders can do about that. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking to Heather Ann Ferry about unresolved trauma, mental health, how it impacts the workplace. I'm going to give out a website right now. It's a global mental health directory. It is called CheckpointOrg.com. And you can access mental health resources no matter what country that you're in. Heather Ann, you had mentioned earlier that you had a lot of health issues that were related to trauma. How did those health issues save your life? 
when I mention that statement, it always takes people like they step back for a minute for a minute and they like kind of look at me like, what is she talking about? And um, you kind of hear in, in these famous quotes from, you know, like, you know, Tai Chi masters and Buddha masters and whatever you believe in. But the truth is, is pain is an important tool. It's an important tool to know thyself and to heal. And what's hard about pain, especially emotional pain, because I, I learned the difference. A physical injury, you can have some pain, but emotional pain, wow, that, that's, that's tough. And I, I have sympathy and compassion for those who have a difficult time handling it and uh, don't know what to do with it. So they end up using substances. But the pain is, uh, is a teaching tool. So I, for some reason, was able to move into the pain. And through the brain rewiring and the shaking, crying, and you know, using all my toolkit, it was through that pain that I realized where, where does this psychology or this hatred or this imbalance come from in my generational lineage? because it didn't start with my mom, obviously, this programming was in her, you know, so how do we, how do we rewire that? How do we build resilience? So the pain for me was a teaching tool into new psychology. It was a teaching tool into actually unraveling the masks, no longer living a lie because the masks are heavy, you know, and you feel them when you're around people, you know, when you're around somebody who's really comfortable in their body that looks at you and you know they have some peace in their eyes and you know when you walk in a room with somebody that is ready to jump off a bridge and there's no judgment to that it's because i've been there <laughs> but it's it's just you know so for me uh when i'm working with clients i teach them how to deal and build resilience because they're going to feel pain that's why we want to numb it. And we've got to feel the pain. We have to have the toolkit to move through it. And when you finally move through it, you have all these other things. Now you have character, you have integrity, you have a more well-rounded point of view of maybe what somebody else is going through. Um, and it's not to uh, diminish or sort of set aside bad behavior, but a lot of times when we don't heal fully, we end up acting out the bad behavior. And I think that is what is happening in the workplace. And that is what I saw in the workplace as I entered into it. It's the acting out. And when my corporate clients come to me and we're in coaching and we're trying to address some issue that they're having, or they've been given some feedback about their behavior, as we're coaching on that, suddenly they do have this huge realization that it was related to something from their past or someone in their workplace has triggered something mm -hmm. and that is causing them to act out and they may have never connected the dots before mm -hmm. and then suddenly they realize all this really is connected what are you seeing with leaders that you coach how they're their addictions, their trauma, their OCD, how is that showing up for them behavior-wise in the workplace? Well, I think it goes back to the statement of, I have to be perfect. I have to be right. 
you know, and I was there, I had a pretty thick mask. I was pretty arrogant in my twenties while I was in show business. Nobody could walk on me. I didn't care about anybody. It was just me, myself, and I. It's hard for people to realize that because <laughs> I'm so, so different now. So many layers off, but I can, that's where I don't judge them, but I can see it right away. Like they can't fool me. And um, I think, you know, that's where it shows up the disconnect and the competitiveness that's unhealthy, that's unhealthy in families. You know, there's a lot of mothers that are jealous of their daughters. I think my mom is, and that's just not healthy. Like that's, we're a soul. We're not supposed to be looked at as competition, you know, but there's this underlying um, behavioral patterns. So the, the leaders are acting out of them and, I think that there's a lot of, of talk, talking about this stuff, but I want to say that a lot of my work isn't talking. It's not analytical. It's in the body and the brain protocols. You use um, breath patterns, finger patterns that have science, um, eye placement patterns, uh, movement patterns. So we're really, we're getting in the body because the body never lies. So one of the first books that I reference, I do reference a few books to my clients to read. And sometimes we have conversations about those books because I want them to really understand the psychology is Alice Miller. Alice Miller, The Body Never Lies. That is an incredible book of how leaders become, uh, you know, uh, perpetrators and uh, leaders become addicts, you know, from childhood trauma, but how the body never lies. The body will always tell you the truth. It's just finding, you know, those missing keys to the puzzle. And that's my job. So that's the first thing I find that the challenge at first with leaders is they're so analytical, you know, that's the challenge, you know, and once they start to decompress in front of me and they're even they're chanting, they're chanting. Some of them actually love that after a while, it calms their brain. You know, they'd start to like to sing. Oh, then let's sing. Let's sing something positive. You know, that that's a rewiring because your voice can trigger a lot. You know, you can walk in a room and hear somebody's tone of voice or even just the trauma in someone's voice. I had a lot of trauma in my voice and didn't even know it. So there's vocal techniques that we do to help release that so that when you come in, you come in calmer, your voice is, you know, you, so you can really connect with everybody. There's a lot of different things that, that add up for leaders, but I think in the beginning, they don't know what they don't know, just like all of us. For me, one of the things that I did without realizing it is that I minimized everything that happened to me in childhood. I didn't know it as trauma. I didn't know it as being a big deal. I didn't realize it was impacting me. I didn't realize it was the cause of my health issues. I also had and still have vocal cord issues. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I relate the voice issues to not having a voice mm -hmm. when I was a child and that it shows up that way. Mm -hmm. So I've had to do a lot of work on my health issues, my voice issues, and it wasn't intentionally minimized. I just didn't, didn't know. So what helped me was becoming aware and starting to read some of the books like the ones you're mentioning and and look at the various tools that were out there which led me down more and more of that path of healing 
which I now know is never over, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) And as you said, it's extremely painful to be healing, but it, it is a constant journey. What kinds of things in the workplace can trigger a leader who's already traumatized? Well, to be honest, anything, and that's where it's tricky. Um, it could be in the it could be in the employee kitchen, opening the refrigerator door, and and somebody said because you, you, that that's once again going back to childhood, and that once again goes back to, into situations that you don't even think could be triggering to a little soul to a little child, you know, and I think one of the key things here for a leader who's listening to this right now is if you find yourself in a repetitive pattern, meaning you're always in conflict with a business partner, or you're always attracting employees that you can't connect with, or you're always, if you keep seeing a pattern, that's where you might want to go outside the box, like with somebody like me and say, let me try something different here. Cause there's, I, I keep seeing these patterns and maybe they don't know it's trauma, or, or any, they don't know where this is connected to, but they do see that there's patterns here. And they're saying, why am I always getting employees that do this, this, and this? Why am I always, it's just like that person is like, why do I always date the same type of person? You know what I mean? That is a sign. That's a sign. Okay. Something, cause you're, you're the leader. You're, you're the one manifesting the sin and attracting the sin. So what is there to learn? I'm not saying fire them. I'm saying, what are you, what are you placing in front of you, your mirrors to, to help you grow? Because I have to tell you, some of my clients have through their vulnerability and their journey have taught me so much. Is a leader willing to see that angle as well? What can I learn from this trigger, this person that's driving me crazy? What's happening here? Is it dialogue? How do I reapproach that? But I think in the end, it's like, yeah, it's it's doing some Eastern outside the box tools, getting in the body more, maybe seeing if something's there. And you're right. People fluff off everything. I mean, I would say 99.9 of the clients in the 17 years of a private coaching practice have all came with health or mental health issues. They read my book about trauma, but they didn't connect that they have trauma. None of them. I mean, whether they were a naturopath, a doctor, a scientist, they all, no, I don't have trauma. And it was really like five or six sessions. And they were like, oh, I remember now, because they're remembering through the work. Oh, I remember. And then they cry. And I think crying is underestimated, the power of crying and not just crying. But having somebody hold a space that's not judging you for whatever it is and allowing you to show your emotions. Because from what I've heard, and I experienced this with my, with my mother, she really was uncomfortable around crying. And, and when I was a child, she kind of teased me. Um, so was made fun of. There's a lot of leaders that grew up like that. And so they feel shameful in crying. They feel shameful in showing emotions. They, they don't even realize it till you start to unravel, you know, and, and that's where I do, I am vulnerable in my coaching by, you know, I have a book. It's, it's, it's a, it's about my life. I mean, I kind of feel like it's like a history many years ago, but I put my soul out there because I'm no different. And I just, I put it out there to let people know we're, we're really much more alike than different at the end of the day. 
going back to the behavioral patterns, that is such an important point. I have clients come to me all the time in coaching and they want to work on how they deal with conflict or they, they don't deal with conflict. They shy away from it. They're overly passive. They are people pleasers and they've been given this feedback by their managers and they're trying to to work on it. So you're saying that if there's a unhealthy pattern of any sort, that someone really should look more into that because there could, could be some roots to that, some additional causes. Definitely. There could be some very specific um, memories that come up of just um, how the parents treated them or situations that started to shape them. So when when children are in unhealthy environments where either the parents are screaming a lot, there's a lot of conflict, um, you know, they start to adapt. And one of the adaptions is I'm going to put a mask on and I'm going to be fake and I'm going to do whatever you want me to do so you love me. See, what we're looking for is love. And so really that self-pleasing is coming from a lack of love because Actually, I was doing that early on in my coaching. I was, I would say too nice or tiptoeing around issues. And then as I was healing myself and, and sort of evolved, there came a point where my coaching, I required a lot more, um, more time, more commitment. And I, I was more of a tough love. And I found that, that people needed that energy. It's like, I see you. I see what's going on, but I'm also going to hold space and not allow you to continue to lie to yourself. It's not loving for us to continue to lie to ourselves. And if people around you are okay with you lying to yourselves, that's an issue we've got to connect to. It's hard to face the reality that maybe our mom or our dad or our uncle were mean to us or abusive or said certain things that shaped our psychology but we have to stand truth. And I think that that does really get, um, uh, and it can really make a mess in business, uh, in bus business choices and decisions uh, when people are more concerned about being liked and pleased as opposed to saying, you know what? I disagree with this, this idea and this project because of this, this, and this. This is where I'm coming at. Okay, well, can you, you know, that, that type of point of view, as opposed to, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to push buttons here. Well, no, I mean, I want, I, I would hope that leaders want a diverse group of people in the room. We've got to, we've got to have diversity so that we can expand businesses and we can grow businesses financially. And sometimes businesses aren't growing financially because they're stuck in OCD. They're stuck in a rigid limit idea because they're afraid to step outside the box. They don't let their team step outside the box. And people are afraid to be assertive in that way, which again could be something back from childhood related to some external pressure that was put on them or fear because of something from the past. So they don't speak up. They don't stand up for themselves. They don't stand up for their teams or they try to fix external things like they fire that employee or something like that instead of looking at themselves to really see what's wrong and look a, a little bit deeper and as we talked about before it's really really hard work and it's very painful i can't remember any part of my decades of work that i have had fun with <laughs> 
Um, no. Nothing, because it all brings things up, and then we have to deal with those things. So um, very, very tough work, but I think you can be a better leader because of it. I mean, can you tell us a, a success story, one that you know of, of a leader you've worked with? I could tell you many, and, and we might want to wait till break, but I want to say one thing is when you address your trauma, as painful as it is, you don't get sick, okay? And when you don't get sick, you get smarter, okay? And that's the key here is when you, when you, when you don't address people-pleasing, you go to sugar, you go to alcohol, you get sick. And we don't want people getting, I mean, the, the, the health, you know, the, the rate of people getting sick nowadays is really high. So it's, there's many rewards in going inside yourself. I want to, I want to proclaim that um, because there is a, a beautiful feeling when you unravel different things about your generational lineage. And you can like, I can sit here today for my mother and father that wasn't able to do the work, but I did it. And now I'm still a representation of them, but the, the healthier version, right? The healthier version. So I want to leave with that, that no, we can go back in the break and I will share because it'll take a little time to share my, uh, well, I'll share one story. <laughs> <laughs> Checkpointorg.com is a global mental health directory that you can access that will give you resources for whatever country you're in. We've been talking to Heather Ann Fury about trauma and mental health and OCD, how all of these unresolved things can show up in the workplace and the unhealthy impact that it has in the workplace. When we come back, we will hear some of these success stories and how leaders can also take ownership of their trauma and heal and be better in the workplace. Stay, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Heather Ann Ferry. We've been talking about unresolved trauma, unresolved mental health issues in the workplace and how it can impact employees. Here's a staggering statistic from an article that is trending wildly right now on LinkedIn. Managers impact employees' mental health by 69%, and that's the same amount that a spouse or partner impacts a person's mental health. So this tells us that it's very important, it's critical for people in the workplace, especially if you are leading, to take ownership, take control of your mental health, of your unresolved trauma, and look into it and begin to work on it so that everyone can enjoy a healthier workplace. We're here with Heather Ann Ferry, and Heather is going to share with us a story, a success story of a leader that has worked on their trauma. (laughs) Thank you. So yes, there are different stories in different lanes with my CEO, but I wanted to share um, this older gentleman, 63 years old, owns his own business, CEO, uh, was frauded out. $3.5 million from his business partner. What do you do? Some may go to the bar, get a drink, but he hired me. Um, How did he find me? Well, I attend different business events and we had met and he had, you know, heard about my story through my book, Victim to Victory, Healing Generational Abuse Through the Bloodline. And for some reason, uh, when this uh, event happened, Somehow I came into his radar. I, I call that God, even if you don't, but yeah. You know. So he called me up and he started working with me. He, he knew that he had options, meaning he could do things, substances that would make him feel like crap. And he knew that um, he didn't want to get sick. He was really quite aware of that. Um, he was extremely angry and betrayed because this was like his business partner. This was like a family member. And guess what? I told you the story at the beginning of this talk of my father coming home when I was seven years old and getting fired from his father. So I have a lot of um, understanding of the complexities because some of your business partners are like your family, right? And you invest in them and he invested them not to get frauded out $3.5 million. So um, we started working together and I started using very specific um, PTSD techniques to relax his central nervous system to make sure he wasn't going to get cancers or um, have hormone, you know, just all that. And we start, he he would cry. He would cry. And um, he didn't want to put the stress on his wife. So he was trying to handle the stress on his own and figure out, you know, his biggest thing was, why did this happen to me? He, he needed to figure out, he needed to come to peace with some sort of term so that he could move on. And I gave him techniques to go into the office 30 minutes before everybody came in and to do meditation and set the tone and to really get his brain open and uh, expansion so he could attract in more jobs 
more opportunity to, to make that money back, which he did in two years. But in the meantime of that, uh, we did a work, we worked together for a year. And um, we, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I still speak to him to this day. I think he's an incredible man. He is um, kind of like that all-American dream, grew up, uh, you know, uh, at 12 years old, you know, delivering newspapers. So we did realize that when his father left home at 12, that there was a lack of something in his life growing up. And that he took on a uh, leadership role at age 12, which some people have to do. So we did sort of dive into um, some things that he was fluffing over and not addressing. And uh, so there was, there was childhood stuff dealt with. Well, the, the victory story after the work, P we did PTSD, brain protocol, a lot of breath work, body work, crying, um, a lot of um, very specific brain um, meditations for prosperity, um, to really attract in new business, new opportunities, new way of hiring. Um, he called me up like six months after we parted and he said, I know why. He said, I know why this happened to me. And I was like, why? I was like, tell me. And he's like, he's because his business was better, right? He was making the money again. He was resolving issues but he was different. He was a different person. He wasn't, excuse my language, he wasn't an asshole. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't taking the money for granted and blowing it off. He wasn't pushing everybody aside and not listening to them. He realized that this was his wake-up call, not to money and business, but to life. And he was grateful. I'm almost going to cry, but he was grateful that the situation happened because it made him a better person and he was attracting in better people in his life. That didn't happen in a day, but it did happen. What are some ways that leaders can take ownership of their trauma? If someone's listening right now and they're hearing this and it really resonates with them and they're not seeing anybody right now to get help, how can they even take that first step to take ownership? Well, if they're listening to this today, they might want to find me. That's, that's one ownership. And that's really easy to do, you know, with my website. Um, because there's, there's different books to be introduced, um, like The Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine or Alice Miller, The Body Never Lies. But there's a ton of others, um, depending on your story. Um, breath exercises. You know, we hear them a lot in yoga class. I would recommend getting either a Zoom session with me or somebody that is a breath meditation or breath expert that can really teach you the proper ways. Because when you have a lot of stress and trauma, you reverse your breath. And so you think you're breathing properly, but when you inhale, your belly expands like a balloon. And when you exhale, your belly pulls in. And so I, I tell clients, put your hand on your belly because we have muscle memory. We want to make sure our breath is moving in the right direction. So a lot of the preliminary work is breath training or retraining. Um, so I would, I would, you could jump onto my YouTube page where I have some breathing exercises, you, you know, healing pain three, 
healing pain three is a channel or, or, but breathing is the foundation. You always have to start with breath because trauma reverses the breath, the psoads. We hold trauma in our belly and our gut. And once you start training in the breath, so if I was sitting with somebody right now and they were like, what is the first thing I would do? I would say, cover the right nostril and start breathing deep and long through the left nostril, specifically the left nostril, because that deals with the part of the brain that relaxes the central nervous system, that relaxes fight flight so that you can start to calm down for better sleep and calm down for problem solving. So that's just a step one. So yeah, breathing is the foundation, but I want to stress you have to work with somebody because I have had actually yoga teachers all over the world come to me and because they have trauma, I know this is going to sound, but they were breathing incorrectly. So we can disassociate in all activities. We can disassociate in exercise. We can disassociate in yoga. We can disassociate. And I was actually and didn't realize it. So when you have somebody teach you and put your hand on your belly and you're, and most people are like, why am I doing this backwards? Because not only are you in a shallow breath, but you're in, you're in a PTSD trigger mode in your brain. So with CEOs that have an important meeting or presentation to go to, I teach them the opposite. Cover the left nostril, open the right. When you're opening up the right nostril, mental clarity, Take action. Focus. What role does self-care play? How can leaders leverage self-care if they've been traumatized? Self-care is um, like giving yourself a big hug every day. You got to think of it, self-love. If you give yourself a big hug every day and you're happier with yourself, do you think that when you walk into your business, people are going to feel that? Yeah, they're going to feel that. So leveraging self-care, you know, for me is how you triple your income. It's how I tripled my income. And so, what forms of self-care is breathing? You mentioned breathing and meditation, but there are other things too, right? Yes. Uh, gut health. Gut health is a big thing that I deal with with clients now. And I specifically um, work with detox of glyphosate, which is really not, uh, we don't have a lot of education Yet in the United States, we're getting there, but glyphosate is a deadly uh, chemical that's sprayed on our food, 75% of America's food, and it creates havoc in the gut lining of your stomach, which affects the way you think. So I work with an herb called Biomedic um, that they take, and then just parasite cleanses, uh, superfoods. I was a sugar addict, um, came from Italian-based family restaurants, so... Uh, I know that deal, but yeah, you want to get on a program of nutrition uh, that doesn't have pesticides and chemicals in it. So that's, that's something that came into my coaching two years ago and has actually been a game changer, meaning it's actually made the trauma healing go faster. So it's this combination of meditation, breath work, clean eating, really cleaning out what you're putting in your body. Yes. To make sure that you're working on yourself and what's going in. What other tips do you have for self-care? Hmm. Well, those are like the foundation. 
Like, I think the foundation has to be there and it has to be incorporated into a lifestyle. And I think a corporate lifestyle. So I see a lot of corporations and their employee kitchens have a lot of toxic. So, you know, they don't have filtration systems and their water is not, bottled water is not the way to go. Sorry, you need to get a filter. So, and, and that's a whole other conversation and the food that's being served for their employees. You know, you wonder why people are maybe on edge that might want to be a reboot as well is your employee kitchen, not just your home kitchen. So the things that you're mentioning, the things about trauma, those are the foundations, the trauma, trauma release work and the brain protocols is deeper. You know, that's much deeper, um, that gets to the root. Uh, but obviously, you know, nature, nature is healing. Nature has energy. It's pure. It's, you know, um, sit in the grass, feel the ground, you know, roll in it, get dirty. I don't know, you know, feel, feel that nature, feel the breath. But I think for CEOs, it's really lifestyle because we have such a busy schedule. Um, it's incorporating that foundation. Cause if that foundation's not there, it's going to be tough <laughs> to add anything else. You know? <laughs> and how can our listeners find you, Heather Ann? The best way is my website which is simple, heatherannferry.com. That's a great resource to just set up a 30-minute, you know, free Zoom consultation. And also I have a YouTube channel, Healing Pain 3. I would suggest those two places are where you should go. The website I've been giving out today is a global mental health directory called checkpointorg.com, which I'll also be sharing after the show on social media. The statistic I referred to, I will also share that article on social media after the show. We have been here with Heather Ann Ferry today discussing trauma and mental health in the workplace and the impact it has when it is not resolved. And Heather Ann has given us some great tips on how leaders can take that first step to start healing. So I invite you to check out her resources, connect with me on LinkedIn at MD Consulting or my personal page, Monique Denaw, and listen also to the on-demand version of these episodes. Tune in next week when we'll be talking about empathy in the workplace. So enjoy the rest of your week and don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.